Hi, this is Monica Abbott, and I'm inviting you to be a part of the first annual MA14 Golf Tournament brought to you by Shields. We'll have golf, a silent auction, putting contests, and it all benefits scholarship opportunities for female athletes. Learn more at MonicaAbbott.com. Pack your bags, start the car, and get on the road. It's time to go across the country two minutes at a time for the biggest stories of the day where they're happening. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Indianapolis, Indiana. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Ohio. Boston, Mass. Miami, Florida. It's the two-minute drill on the program. Every Monday and Friday at this hour, we go around the country two minutes at a time talking to the people covering the stories where they're happening. Uh, It's brought to you by our friends at Twin Peaks, uh, the Pro Bowl. AFC-NFC flag football game coached by the Manning Brothers. You can check that out. All the college basketball, you can check that out. Uh, all the action, it's on at Twin Peaks with TVs everywhere. Made from scratch menu and 29-degree draft beer, plus uh, hand-smashed burgers. Uh, you can uh, check it out right now. The whole menu made from scratch. Most underrated part of the equation at Twin Peaks is that incredible Made from scratch menu. Check it out. Of course, great spot to watch the uh, the big game as well. Um, eats, drinks, scenic views, Independence, Olathe, and in the Northland. Uh, grab you uh, a little fun tonight. Uh, head on over to uh, Twin Peaks, TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. All right, let's get things started. Here on the drill, we begin in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Brian D., ESPN Milwaukee, is there. Brian, how are you, sir? I am fabulous. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday to you. I think it was, I don't know, was it Monday we had you in here or last Friday, whatever it was, and immediately you're talking about the problem with Adrian Griffin. Apparently, when Brian D. talks, the Milwaukee Bucks listen, they immediately fired the head coach. What did you do? Uh, I put the kibosh on him, or uh, like most uh, Bucks fans and people in Milwaukee, I just watched the team and realized it wasn't going to work anymore, right? <laughs> uh, you can tell when, when you've got Giannis and Dame Lillard on your team and you're 25th or 26th in the league in defense, something needed to change. This dated back all the way to early in the season when Terry Stotts basically quit the Bucks because he got into some sort of argument in the practice with Adrian Griffin. It just seemed like the dynamic was off from Jump Street, and then the performance followed. So um, the Bucks needed to get somebody in there to stabilize the ship. They're 0-2 under Doc Rivers so far, but um, this is a guy that obviously has a championship pedigree. He's dealt with big-time egos and all-stars throughout his career to varying levels of success. They're bringing him in, not for now, even though they're 0-2 through two games with him, but to stabilize the ship and get this team right defensively for a playoff push so they can avoid the fate like they did last year, where they lost in five games to the Miami Heat. Anybody uh, mention the idea that perhaps, like, I don't know, maybe Giannis and Dame are two guys that really need to dominate the ball to be at their best, uh, that maybe it's not the best combination? Could that be possible? I don't think that's it at all because they've been spectacular offensively, right? Like, uh, it, it doesn't matter who's getting theirs. They've both had great nights, um, and they've worked in conjunction awesome. Off- offense has not been the problem for the Milwaukee Bucks this season. Um, it's been the defensive side of the floor and adjusting to playing team defense without a defensive stopper like Drew Holiday out there. Now, Giannis is obviously a defensive stud, too, a guy that's one defensive player of the year in the NBA. So when things are going so horribly and you've got that guy on the floor, I, it, it seems like almost 
almost a, a schematic, a schematic change that needs to happen uh, to use the football phrase as opposed to a, a, a personnel thing. So uh, Giannis and Dame are getting along great. Offensively, they're going to be just fine. It's got to be rectifying things on the defensive side of the floor. Yeah, and that I, I, I'm, listen, I like uh, Doc Rivers as a head coach. I think it's a nice hire uh, for them. I'm kind of surprised it didn't work with Adrian Griffin based upon the type of player he was, which was that glue guy, do a little bit of everything, whatever it takes to win. And, you know, those are the guys that usually kind of seem to understand and get it. But sounds like he was anything but the get it guy. Uh, let's talk about the Packers. Did they get it right by stealing away Boston College's head coach, Jeff Halfley, to be their new D.C.? You know, it, it was interesting. When that hire broke of Jeff Halfley, we all looked at each other and went, we don't know anything about this guy. And I think that was kind of the, the common sentiment, uh, you know, throughout National Football League circles. And uh, I texted a couple of our teammates here at ESPN Milwaukee, former Packers offensive lineman Brian Balaka, uh, former Super Bowl champion and, and Packers Hall of Famer Mark Chamura, who went to Boston College. And when both of them texted me back and said, I don't really know anything about this guy, I knew it was it was kind of a long putt for the Packers. He does seem to have a relationship with Matt LaFleur, which is a good thing, the head coach of the Packers. He does seem to play an aggressive style of football, which is not something you could have said about their previous defensive coordinator and Joe Barry. So I think a lot of Packers fans are cautiously excited and optimistic that this defense is going to be far more aggressive than it's looked the past two and a half, three years. All right, we'll see if it works out in the long run. Uh, trading Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. That's what the Milwaukee Brewers did. Uh, what's the? What, what, what do you think of this? Is this just the Brewers being the Brewers and trying to keep the machine going Tampa Bay Ray style? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. This was kind of the least surprising news ever. We didn't know when it was going to happen, but we knew it was going to happen because the Brewers simply were not going to pay Corbin Burns, a former Cy Young Award winner, uh, a $300 million contract. That's just not how they operate. They may, they may have offered him uh, a long-term, uh, lo- if there's such a thing as a low uh, you know, nine-figure deal. They probably did that, uh, which is, what, like $100 million. But he was never going to sign that, knowing his market value. This is how the Brewers do things. They go young. It's the reason they just signed Jackson Churio, their 19-year-old top prospect, to an $87 million deal before he's played a triple-A game, right? Like, this this is how they do things. They try to win while their guys are young before their market value becomes too much for, for them to afford to pay. So uh, this was just the next step. They brought in a couple of prospects and uh, – as we know with prospects, you just never know how they're going to pan out. So um, time will tell, but this was uh, kind of a, uh, a sad but not surprising uh, piece of news for the Brewers. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you, if it means we got to wave goodbye to stars here in this town and uh, and then we can keep having winning record after winning record, playoff after playoff, yeah. uh, then uh, and, and we can wave goodbye to 100 lost seasons. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it because I've watched Salvador Perez play for a bunch of hundred lost seasons, and it hadn't been fun. You know, we yeah, got our guy, I mean, and, but and, it sucks. Yeah, and to to the Brewers' credit, they've remained competitive without fully bottoming out over the last decade. And I, the other big change, obviously, this offseason is Craig Council has gone ninety miles south of the Chicago Cubs, right? So they're they're having a, a managerial switch. Obviously, without their stud pitcher, it's going to be an interesting season to see if they can remain competitive in a division that's been won with 88, 89, 90, 91 games. It's not uh, like you're, you're in the NL West and you got to win 108 to win the division in the NL Central. They've got an opportunity, but their young guys are going to have to step up. Brian D. in Milwaukee. Great stuff as always, my friend. Really appreciate it. Have yourself a great weekend. You do the same. Thank you very much. Going back to Houston. 
Stan Norfleet, Sports Talk 790 in Houston, Texas is next. Stan, how are you, sir? Gentlemen, gentlemen, good afternoon. How's everybody? I imagine you're feeling pretty good about things, though, about a week and a couple of days from now. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, we, we're quite confident, uh, although we know the 49ers are a good team. But but life is good during football season in these parts. We will not deny uh, it is a good feeling. Uh, but there has to be a pretty good feeling in Houston, right? Now, even though C.J. Stroud isn't playing in this game, uh, I'll bet everyone in Houston thinks he's going to be playing in future games like this. You know how this feels, guys, to have that young burgeoning superstar on your hands and he's a signal caller. Oh my God, and he's on a rookie deal and we are fortunate here in Houston that uh, this is going to be a free agent destination depending on what source you use, the third or fourth most cap space going into this year's free agency. The Texans win a playoff game for the first time since 2019. A historic run by C.J. Stroud and first time head coach D'Amico Ryan. So yes, we say the arrow is pointing up. Future is mighty bright. And you guys are bleeping lucky that Baltimore let you off the hook. Because if they had played the way against us, if they played against y'all, we'd be playing Kansas City for the AFC Championship last week. But that's water under the bridge at this point. Forgive me if I don't quake in my boots. Uh, with oh, your... The disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> This is bad, I, I love it. Hey, listen, no, look, we've talked a lot about it that we keep saying, all right, who's going to be the Peyton Manning uh, to uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, uh, if indeed that's what he's going to end up playing out to be. And Joe Burrows looked like he would be that guy. We all agree. C.J. Stroud may have just said, hold my beer. Uh, that's my spot. And uh, we'll go toe-to-toe uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. We, we definitely recognize what's building uh, down there in Houston for sure. And it was a lot of fun uh, watching Stroud really emerge. He's the only guy I see do things that are Patrick Mahomes as throwing off that back foot, you know, standing in against the rush, standing tall, dropping passes into uh, receivers. Now the Texans' uh, future is is really really bright. There, there's no doubt about that. We don't mean to to laugh at that at all for uh, any any reason. Um, tell yeah, me, we get, if we get up twenty four zip with CJ Stroud, unlike the last guy here that wore number four at the center, we won't be losing that bleeping game. So you guys remember that you said that. Hold his pace. Okay. What do you got? Bookmark this. We'll come back to this one. Okay, okay. I look forward to that conversation. Um, All right, uh, tell me, uh, Houston Cougars coming to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. How good is Houston, and how much does the one, you know, one of the top national rankings uh, throughout this season, uh, how much does that play in the city of Houston? How much does the move to the Big 12 get people excited about these Cougars? Well, there's no question that the the Fertitta, excuse me, the Fertitta Center, led by alumnus, Chairman Fertitta, owner of the Houston Rockets, to boot uh, the Fertitta Center where the number four ranked Cougs have their uh, home games here in Third Ward, Houston, just outside of downtown. It was rocking the other night in Big 12 action when K-State, uh, what was that, excuse me, yes, uh, that was last week in the afternoon. K-State came through, they had a blackout, it was rocking, both in football and obviously basketball and across the entire athletic department. The transition into the Big 12 has been certainly well received. The revenues to boot, it's been a lot of fun. But now you got to go finish the drill. If you saw the game the other night, 
The Cougs got shook up a little bit. The Horns had them on the ropes there at the Moody Center in Austin. And in overtime, it was Jamal Shedd and others that were able to uh, bring it back on home for the Cougs. So this is a big one. Kelvin Sampson, head coach of the University of Houston basketball program, 0-7 up there in the fog in Allen Fieldhouse. And uh, from his days at Oklahoma, he remembers what it's like. We know what the decibels can get like up in the building. But with Jamal Shedd, he'll be an All-American finalist, I do believe, at the point guard spot. This is a team that has had a ton of success. And defense travels, gentlemen. Don't be surprised if this is a ball game late and it's the defensive end, uh, the length that you have with Butler and others, although he's one of our young clubs here in Houston. I like uh, University of Houston is favored. It opened at three and a half. I think it's down now to one and a half. But I do like the University of Houston on the road to give Kelvin Sampson his first victory in the field house. Well, I think the Cougars are definitively the better team this year when you watch how they play. KU's got a great resume with wins against Tennessee. Um, i gotta, I got to think back. Uh, UConn. Uh, Kentucky, they've beaten some big boys, but they've also had some kind of disappointing looks. Houston looks like the better team, and if people don't know this, the, the Cougars might be the best program ever in college basketball to not win a national championship. Is this the team that does it? I like last year's team a little bit better. Marcus Sasser was a real guy. They had a couple of NBA guys. This team is a little bit younger, built a little bit different, probably more length, not as much athleticism. So they're having to do it different ways. Probably getting more contribution from some young guys, like I mentioned, the Houston native Tugler there with, with some length and size as a young guy. But when you have Kelvin Sampson, and again, the way they play defense, it ain't sexy now. It certainly doesn't look like some of the other programs in the country. Mm-hmm. But it is effective. They really want to slow the game down. They stall you out. They put the clamps on you. They wait for you to do something crazy. Just like the movie Top Gun, where they say, well, Iceman, then he's got you. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think Jamal Shedd is certainly capable enough to lead those guys to victory, especially if he gets that shot falling. Nobody, but again, that environment can be intimidating to a young team. Sure, for sure. And, and nobody coaches defense like Calvin Sampson. We remember that from all his Oklahoma days, and nothing has changed. Uh, has anything changed with the Houston Rockets? What are they do at the deadline? Are they going to be shipping off pieces? Are they going to be adding to this team? I like a lot of the young talent. I like the plan, but at some point it has to come to fruition. What do they do at the deadline? So, I just did some TV here locally, and uh, we asked that very same question. The Rockets have just been really inconsistent. They came right out of the gate. They look good. Number two in defensive efficiency in all of the NBA. They brought the scoring up to be about average. Over the last six weeks, however, defensive efficiency has fallen to about average in the league, and then the shooting. The shooting, especially from deep, is bottom ten in the league. So, Ime Udoka has his hands full. Yes, we had an all-star nominee. Certainly was on the ballot in Alperin Shingun. We call him Baby Joker, as in uh, Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. He plays very similar to that. The footwork, the skill at round the basket, the touch. He can do all the things. He just doesn't have Jokic's size. He would be one of the young pieces. He's not going to be involved with any deal. Nor do I believe Jabari Smith Jr. He's not going to be involved in any package either. The rumors are that Jalen Green can be had. The former number two overall pick. Would somebody put him in a package? I mean, I've heard all types of names. Zach Levine in Chicago. Mikael Bridges in Brooklyn. Uh, who else have I heard? Uh, DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. So we'll see. It seems like in, in summation that Ime Udoka, head coach, and Rafael Stone, the general manager, they're kind of switching blueprints midstream. 
It was, let's go get Fred Van Vliet, let's go sign Dylan Brooks, let's bring in veteran Jeff Green, and let's get some teachers to show these young guys how to be professional. Now it has turned to, let's go get good players, because we need to get into the playoffs this season. That's why you see the trade for Steven Adams, although it won't show up this season. Next year, he's the perfect backup five to allow Alfred Shingoon to come out of the center spot where he's playing a little bit of small ball, a la Draymond Green, certainly two different types of players, but it gets him back into that fourth spot. So they stand, they're doing this dance between this year and next year, but don't be surprised if they do a move, and it will likely involve Jalen Green if it happens. Stan Norfleet in Houston, Texas. Great stuff, buddy. We appreciate it. Have yourself a great weekend. All right, you do the same, fellas. Enjoy that ball game. Dick Fane, 93.3 KJR in Seattle, Washington. Dick, how are you, sir? Hi, Saran. How you doing? I'm doing well. Mike McDonald, uh, we all thought Dan Quinn. Why was Dan Quinn not the choice? Why was McDonald the choice? I think uh, that John Schneider's been eyeballing Mike McDonald for a long time, particularly when he took a trip out to Baltimore and saw firsthand Mike McDonald's defense absolutely smother Seattle's offense and hold him to three points in a 37-3 to victory by Baltimore. And I think that might have been kind of the first straw to that, that kind of broke Pete Carroll's back. Uh, Pete Carroll's not used to getting beat down like that, and then Pete really didn't recover after that. He had a win against the Commanders by three points after that, then he had a loss and a later three-game losing streak. That was kind of the beginning of the end for Pete Carroll, and Mike McDonald might have been the guy that dealt the first blow during that October loss in Baltimore. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, they go defense again. Usually it's kind of you go for what you don't have, disciplinarian to players coach, off Offense to defense. They go defense to defense. Why? Why not looking to maybe the offense, you know, has always been kind of the question mark more so. Why not going out and getting an offensive guy this time around? Well, that's what I wanted. Um, I'm happy with Mike McDonald when we found out that Ben Johnson wasn't uh, going to make himself available. And I think uh, I think John Schneider was just as intrigued with Ben Johnson as he was with with Mike McDonald. We've had we have Mike Holmgren on every week, and, and Mike Holmgren said he told John go for an offensive guy. And uh, I think John wanted to go for an offensive guy, but you have to have an offensive guy out there that is just as high on your pecking list as the defensive guy. And I don't think there was one out there once Ben Johnson was gone. So I think Mike McDonald was the best choice. Fans would have revolted, guys, had Dan Quinn been, been named the head coach. I mean, we got nothing but negative reviews for the last three weeks on Dan Quinn. Not Nothing against Dan. Great guy. We love him. We just had him on the air about three weeks ago. We love Dan Quinn. I think too many Seahawks fans would think, you know what? It's just more of the Pete Carroll regime. If you were going to hire Dan Quinn, why did you fire Pete Carroll in the first right. place? You could have just had more Pete Carroll if you wanted to keep him. This is a total break from the old. You're bringing a 36-year-old defensive coordinator who's very likely going to bring a young offensive coordinator in. This is fresh blood time in Seattle with kind of a fun young team as well. I mean, this defense, at the end of the 2022 season, everybody was talking about, man, the Seahawks defense, I mean, it's got a little LOB part two to it. And then they just fell flat. They, they drafted Devin Witherspoon, who was very, very good this year. And yet, as a team, they did not get nearly what you should get out of the sum of those parts. Well, guess who can get 
the sum of those parts to act like a team. The best defensive quarterback, best defensive coordinator in the NFL this year, Mike McDonald. Yeah, uh, listen, I, you, you want to get a guy who's young and up and coming, you want to get the right guy, but if you can pair the coach and the quarterback together, that's the ultimate marriage. Where do they go for offensive coordinator? Well, you know, they're, they're looking at the passing game coordinator of the Lions, and the guy that's intriguing everybody around here is the uh, the rumors that the uh, offensive coordinator of the Huskies, Ryan Grubb, who just went with Kalen DeBoer to, uh, to Alabama, that uh, he is being looked at as a potential candidate. I think all Seattle sports fans would love that. Heck, even Cougar fans in this city would love that because he realizes what type of schemer, what type of play caller Ryan Grubb is. I mean, Ryan Grubb was playing chess all year long with the UW offense while everybody else was playing checkers. Now, can it translate to the NFL? I mean, those that are way more in the know than I am uh, say that it absolutely can. And Ryan's skill set would translate well to the NFL. I can tell you one thing. Seahawks fans would be thrilled. They're already happy with the Mike McDonald hire. They would be doubly happy if Ryan Grubb was the offensive coordinator. Uh, some people saying Ben Johnson's asking price was too much. Are you buying that? I didn't hear you mention him. Do you, do you think that's a reality there, at least with the Seahawks, that they, there was interest there? Or no, do they always have their eyes elsewhere? No, I think they had their eyes on Ben Johnson as well. I mean, that's the offensive guy that I think I think he wanted. Uh, maybe the asking price was too much. Maybe he just maybe he you know maybe he was second on John Schneider's list. Maybe he was second on the commander's list, and so he got it out with his agent and said, "Okay, we're just you know we're going to put a story out there that he wants to be loyal and come back to Detroit." Um, you know, that there are many possibilities in the whole Ben Johnson thing. I just hope it doesn't uh, blow up in his face. I mean, there's a lot of hot offensive coordinator names that two years from now, they're not hot offensive coordinator names anymore. You know, what happens if Jared Goff goes down next year? What happens? There's a million things could happen to the Detroit Lions that doesn't equal them going to the NFC Championship game. And is Ben Johnson the same type of hot commodity 12 months from now as he is right now? I'm not sure that he would be. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think it's, you know, uh, head coach agent 101. As soon as you're not going to be the guy and you know you're not going to be the guy, release the statement, <laughs> right. release the video that says, I'm so thrilled that I'm right here. This is where I really wanted to be, whether it's blowing smoke off a cigar in Oregon uh, or, uh, you know, take your pick of any of them. That seems to be the new mode oh, of Oh, yeah, do the, do the Leonardo DiCaprio Wolf of Wall Street, right? I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Dick Fain in Seattle. You're the man, Dick. We appreciate it. Have yourself a great weekend. Sounds good. You too. He was covering the Chiefs the day Patrick Mahomes was born. Was covering the Chiefs, the day Mahomes brought the Lombardi Trophy back to Kansas City. Kansas City has won their first Super Bowl in 50 years. 50 years of lifetime. He's Adam Teicher of ESPN on the program. Talk to the man, the myth, the legend. His name is Adam Teicher. He's been covering the Chiefs since 1993. Uh, he is brought to you by our friends at the University of Kansas Health System. Did you know, Curtis, hmm. if you're playing sports, there's nothing more important than playing your best. I agree. When was the last time you played a sport? 1998. Okay, for those that are not sedentary and get out and about and play sports, uh, nothing more important than playing your best. If you've got an injury, be seen by the same experts that care for the Chiefs. I'm trying to think when the last time I played. It's been since probably 2000. 
Five. I think I probably played. I, actually, I would have to fill in then when I was coaching basketball. I'm going to pitch. Does so it I count when one. you're, you know, playing full court against uh, third graders? Does Were they count? better than you? I, I had some size. I, I mean, was a force if, in the post. If athletically they were oh, your yeah. equal, then it counts. Okay, yeah. Well, they were far superior athletically. To then me. it counts. Okay, good. You're stepping up. a couple up. years ago. Stepping up in weight ago. class. All right. Good to know. Uh, the University of Kansas Health System uh, can help you out. Uh, you can be seen by the same experts, as I said, that care for the Kansas City Chiefs plus uh, orthopedic walk-in care. It's available at 435 and all in Overland Park. Weekdays 8 to 7. Saturdays 8 to 2. You can learn more. Go to kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics and... Uh, uh, go over there right now if you need to be seen. Uh, they're open till 7 tonight. 8 to 2 tomorrow. Uh, be seen by the same experts that care for the Chiefs. Let's talk to uh, Adam Teicher. He joins us here in the program. Adam, how are you, sir? Good, Trent. How are you doing today? Uh, living the dream. It uh, was 70 degrees on my car when I was driving in, and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, and it's February 2nd. What the hell else do you want? No, I'm with you, man. It, you can't really ask for more than that, right? Uh, we could ask for it to be this nice in Vegas next week, but it won't be. Which it won't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's just play the Super Bowl in Kansas City. I mean, can we, we agree on that? Wouldn't that be great if we had the Super Bowl here tonight? Uh, like, like yeah. you know, maybe maybe the maybe I buy in a little bit more to not uh, building a new building that we could play the Final Four in. If you could guarantee me that we could have this kind of weather uh, for a Super Bowl, but um, well, you know, I'll take it. I don't know. I guess we'll, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate people that are, you know, they're talking about having some serious health issues from the frostbite that they underwent uh, during the uh, playoff game against the uh, Dolphins. Uh, we'll have to uh, wait and see. Um, I digress. Uh, listen, Kadarius Tony's at practice. My jaw is on the floor. Want to help me out with this? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I can't. Uh, you know, all I can tell you is if I'm Andy Reid, what I would have done was I would have said, listen, you need to apologize. You need to apologize to your coaches, to your teammates, to Clark Hunt, and you need to look me in the eye and tell me you want to be here and you're going to shut your mouth and work hard and you want to play um, in the Super Bowl. And so I can't see Andy Reid putting up with this absent all of that. So uh, I'm sure there's been some behind-the-scenes stuff about that, but uh, it is kind of a bizarre situation, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, we're going to play some comments that I had at the uh, Central Bank pregame show. For some reason, I got a guy calling telling me I said something I didn't say, so we're going to play exactly what I said about Canarius Tony on Sunday uh, for the Central Bank pregame show as part of our Need to Know coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. But, like, I, I, I'm, I, I don't – I think he's – for lack of a better term, frankly, such a goof that there's nothing he can do that will really affect the team because I don't know that anybody takes him serious. Does that make sense? I know Travis Kelsey was up there saying saying great things about him, but like, or, or am I wrong? Could this somehow become a distraction for this veteran team that's been through all these types of games, Super Bowl games? Is there any reason that this could somehow, you know, slow their role headed into the Super Bowl. Unless something else happens to escalate it, I don't think so. you know the Chiefs are such a veteran team, and I, I I can easily picture Mahomes or Kelsey or one of those kind of guys going Randy Reid if it became a problem and said, "Listen, you got to put you got to you got to get rid of this problem right now." So um, unless there's something else that happens, I don't think so. Um, but we'll see. We'll see as the week goes on, and 
you know, whether maybe he makes himself available to the media, Kadarius Tony does, and he says something uh, that uh, the Chiefs wish he wouldn't say. That is a – you remember Mitch Holtis doing everything he could to grab the mic away from Tyreek Hill at the first uh, Super Bowl parade ending? Like how it's yes. like – as soon as, like, Travis Kelsey handed it to him, Mitch was about to fall off the stage, reaching, trying to get it out of Tyreek Hill's hands. And everyone was like, oh, no. Yeah, like, we, we, we were like, oh, my God, what's he going to say? Squared yep. with Kadarius yeah. Tony. Squared. No doubt. no doubt. I mean, Monday night – are you going to be there uh, for the big melee uh, media I session? I will be there for the opening night. I will be there. Are you going to make a beeline for Canarius Tony? Um, if he's there, I will uh, swing by, but I'm not expecting to see him. I think he'll maybe get the uh, the opening night flu or something like that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> if they IR him, they don't have to make him available, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they don't. But there's no injury, my understanding is, anymore, if there ever was. And according to him, there wasn't, right? So um, they, they, they really can't IR him. They either have to just tell him to go away or, or whatever. Um, I'm assuming he'll be on that plane, though, uh, when they leave on Sunday. You want me on that plane. You need me <laughs> on that plane. Um, I mean, the the Royals lost a guy due to a luggage incident. Maybe, I mean, you never know what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, li- listen, I want to, I I, it's just, and then we'll move on real quick here. But, uh, you know, he, he, I, I just, like his agent must have either no wits about him or he, like his just doesn't listen to his agent because the fact that they had by my count benched him and then gave the cover fire of he's hurt was the best thing that could have been done for his career because yeah. I'm looking at this I want to I want to quote this directly uh, where is his oh I'm down on defense receiving Canarius Tony uh, this year he had 38 targets right caught 27 balls for 169 yards. That's 6.3 yards per catch. Jamal Charles averaged more than that running the ball at times (laughs) here. But when they did hand it to him, he did have 11 carries for 31 yards, good for 2.8 yards per carry. He was the most ineffective player this team had. There's just, like, I don't, that's what I don't get. Like, and I keep hearing, I just, I, I, I'm just my mind is baffled by yeah. well, the stick to you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just say this, and you know it's a bad time for them to be sticking with him uh, because uh, you know because of what's at stake here um, a week from Sunday. But I you never want to give up on a young guy too early. Now I you know are you going to get anything? I mean, what's the breaking point with Kadarius Tony? I mean, you know maybe you already got there. And it's pretty clear that it's not going to be happening for him here. But uh, you never want to get up on a, give up on a young on a young guy this early. And even if he's not going to help you in the Super Bowl, maybe he can help you down the line. Although I, I, I think that is a stretch at this point. Yeah, I do too. We're talking to Adam Teicher here in the uh, program. Uh, Willie Gay, we think he's going to be 100%. You like what you're seeing in here and there? Yeah, I don't know about 100%, but I, I do think he's going to play. And uh, certainly good news for the Chiefs to have all their, or as many of their guys available as they can. So, yeah, I do think Willie Gay 
is going to play this um, extra week. Uh, he is maybe one of the guys who benefited the most from that. Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, they're going to lose a minute, but getting Willie Gay back certainly gives them some flexibility. Uh, how does yep. it change how you think Steve Spagnuolo wants to attack without a Menehu? What kind of multiple fronts and different looks do you think we're going to see from Spagnuolo? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, their, their depth has really taken a hit you know, with Derek Noddy out and now um, Omenahue out. I mean, they've got really five guys that they seem, five, maybe six guys they seem comfortable with. And then, uh, you know, then there's Felix and a couple other guys they roll through there. So uh, they're going to have to play some guys that maybe they'd rather not play or that, that wouldn't otherwise be playing if, um, you know, if they were healthy. So, you know, how effective can those guys be? Well, the four Niners pick on him. I mean, it, it's it's certainly a, a thing. I mean, Mel many he was playing well. That's a that's a loss for the Chiefs. I mean, if you're going to ask me, I think that's a bigger loss than Joe Tooney uh, at this point. I I think uh, you know he's a guy who was doing some good things for the Chiefs and uh, not not ideal not to have him around on uh, a week from Sunday. Uh, Brian Cook goes down. Mike Edwards does a fine job stepping in, but it means yep. now Mike Edwards isn't the third safety; he's the second one. Yep. So uh, yep. we get to O'Connor. Uh, um, uh, Shamari Connor. Shamari yeah. Connor, thank you. Uh, as as the third safety, you know, you lose Michael Dana uh, or uh, Derek Nottie. Uh, he goes down, and so, okay, so now we're down to Mike Pinnell, but the third guy is a problem. Now, Amena, who goes down, you mentioned Joe Tooney's down. Okay, Nick Algretti can sit in. You know, there's a little bit of me, it's not all concentrated in one spot with three guys out and four guys playing, you know, or at least all, you know, one guy moved and three guys out on the offensive line like it was in that 2020 Super Bowl against the Bucks. But we are slowly seeing the injuries add up. Are yeah. we, yeah. as Chiefs fans, uh, looking past some of these injuries too quickly? Probably. You know, probably. You know, there's... There, you know, we talked about the defensive line depth. I mean, it's really taken a hit, and um, there's no way to paint this so many you injury as anything but a, a problem for the Chiefs. But it uh, doesn't mean they can't overcome it. But will they? You know, the Chiefs will be playing some guys again that they're not necessarily comfortable playing, or, or guys who wouldn't be playing had everybody been healthy. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs cover for this and uh, what their strategy is and. Uh, how effective they can be. By my count, the Niners have actually gotten to the finish line pretty healthy, haven't they? I think so. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, that's a team that's just been decimated recently in recent years by injuries, but not as bad this year, which is maybe one reason they're still standing. But, uh, yeah, they're they're uh, in, in better shape, I think you would say, than the Chiefs are. Purdy, McCaffrey, Yuschik, Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk, Trent Williams, those are the big boys on the offensive side of the ball. They're all ready to go. Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, um, Fred Warner, uh, Greenlaw, Charvarius Ward, uh, these are the big boys on the uh, defensive side. I mean, that's I mean, I'm not missing anybody that they're missing, am I? I don't think so. Um, I don't have their injury report in front of me, but yeah, I think they're uh, in pretty good shape. So, um, hey, you know, yeah, I think you'd have to say they're going to have the advantage in the injury game. But you know what? One thing I, I think Hufanga are... Hufanga was a top shelf safety. I take that back. Yeah. They're missing him. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about him too. Um, so yeah, the, you know that that's a guy they won't have, but. 
Um, you know, they're they're in pretty good shape. But I, you know, I I like how the, the Chiefs depth at a lot of spots. You know, you don't want all backups, but I I think they've done a nice job of finding guys who can fill in and play for them. You, know, you wonder is Chris Jones going to have to play a bigger than normal load? You know, more plays than he normally does. Mike Dana, you know, guys Carl Loftus, uh, they're going to have to lean on those guys a little more than they otherwise would. Um, my sense is probably, and and then how effective can they be? Can they handle the extra work at this point in the season? So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs handle this. All right, let's take a break. One more with Adam Teicher, our Chiefs insider from ESPN. He's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, You can be seen by the same experts that care for your Chiefs uh, right now. They're open at 435 and all. Walk-in care. No appointment necessary. Now till 7. Weekdays 8 to 7. Saturdays, it's 8 to 2. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com. Com slash orthopedics. We talk more Chiefs with Adam Teicher next here in the program. All right, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue burnt end of the hour answer. We were discussing tight ends and MVPs in the previous hour. And so I thought, well, I'll ask this question. How many tight ends have had 100 yards receiving in a Super Bowl? Travis Kelsey's done it. That is one. I'll say a couple. I'll say he's one of two. Four. Four? Travis Kelsey against the Bucks. Rob Gronkowski against the Eagles. Vernon Davis against the Ravens. Dan Ross against the 49ers. If you look in the pattern there. Wait a minute. All, Kelsey, who was second? Uh, Rob Gronkowski against the Eagles. Gronk. Okay. Vernon Davis of the Niners against the Ravens. Oh, he did. Okay. And Dan Ross of the Bengals against the Niners. Oh, I remember that. Dan Ross was the first. Not a good pattern for those tight ends. No. All four loss. Lou... Zers. So let's hope that Kelsey is under 100 yards uh, in the Super Bowl. Okay. Or else the Chiefs are going to lose. I mean, come no, on. This Ren's bet. That clear. hurts my chances. I'm a 17 to 1 on the <laughs> that, uh, that MVP. Might, that might explain why there hasn't been a tight end who's been an MVP. All four that have gone over 100 have lost. I'll have to check my FanDuel account and see if it's still 17 to 1. He was 17 to 1. Adam Teicher is with us, uh, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, Adam, we just gave away wonderful Joe's Kansas City barbecue. Joe'sKC.com. Uh, don't go and uh, get barbecue in Vegas because you're going to be really bummed out. I'm just going to tell you. There are a couple of places my buddy's like, oh, they got really good barbecue. And that's how I went a couple of years ago, and I'm like, this place sucks, dude. Like, don't ever don't ever bring me to a barbecue place in Vegas again. Uh, get lost. And we, we came back, and uh, it was Adam Hill, who had not been to Kansas City, and he came to Kansas City a few months later, and I took him to Joe's. He's like, all right, dude. I understand now. I, I, I get it. I get it. My bad. My bad. He just threw it. He goes, my bad. This place is, you know, the blank. Um, and so, yeah, Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. We just gave it away. Joe'sKC.com. Order it tonight. Come on, make the whole family happy. Get you a rocket pig, a short end, some of the city's best fries, uh, best onion rings, and uh, call it a night. Sit back, put your feet up, and enjoy Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Uh, 47th Mission, 119th and Strang Line, and 117th and Row. We're talking to Teicher. The Teichback is with us here in the program. What do you think about my, my wagers? Uh, Kelsey, 17 to 1. On the uh, MVP, you like it? Yeah, I think those are good odds for him. Sure, I, I'd take that. You know, plus one thirty-five, so not even three to two, is what you get on Patrick Mahomes, and rightfully so. He's the most likely guy to get it. I understand that, yeah. but um, there's no there's no value in that. Despite what Eric Eager said earlier, right. um, I, I see no reason. To, to bet that for me because I don't think he is he paralleled if the Chiefs win Mahomes is the MVP I don't think it's that easy 
I think Mahomes has had two very good games, but not statistically strong games. And I think people want to give it to somebody new, just like the MVP. For Mahomes to win the regular MVP, the regular season MVP, he has to go above and beyond because people want to give it to somebody new. And I think that'll be the mindset if the Chiefs win and he doesn't have a dominant game. And then the fans have a 20% vote, which he pointed out. The Swifties are going to pound the phones or the internet, and they're going to vote Kelsey no matter what. So he's like 20% bang, in the bank, right there. Um, I, I don't I don't understand, you know, why that doesn't make him, you know, it's still 17 to 1. I think I'm going to have to grab this because I think at some point people are going to wake up. I also like Chris Jones at 140 to 1, and I like Legereus Sneed at 370 to 1. If the, if the Chiefs would win some kind of 13-10, 16-7 defensive, you know, Patriots Rams little rock fight and, you know, Chris Jones has like two and a half sacks and a forced fumble and a batted pass or Legereus Sneed gets a pick, a forced fumble, you know, and and it just blankets Debo Samuel all day. I could see him looking to give it to a defensive guy or maybe a couple of picks. I could see him looking to give it to a defensive guy. And the payoff is giant. Tell me there's any flaw whatsoever in my logic. Well, how many times has a defensive guy won Super Bowl MVP? All the time. It happens almost every year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just remember that first year, the my, you know, the last Forty Nine ers Super Bowl. It could have gone to Chris Jones, the, the uh, MVP. I mean, he had a great game. It could have gone to Damian Williams, who ran for yeah. what more than a hundred yards, a couple touchdowns, both in the fourth quarter, right? But. They gave it to Mahomes. Not that he didn't have a good game, but I just feel like if the, I'm with Eric Eager. If the Chiefs win, it's going to be Pat Mahomes, unless he's just awful, which I don't think we're expecting. So, uh, hey, you know what? You're getting good value there with Kelsey and with Snead and, and even Chris Jones. But I, um, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I think if the Chiefs win, it's going to be Mahomes. I was, uh, was going to buy you dinner next week in Vegas, but you can just call Eric Eager and see if he'll buy you dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I thought we were going to go to a barbecue place out there. So no, you have mind, fun. Anyway. You have fun because yeah. I, I will not be joining you. Uh, it'll be called Kansas City style barbecue. Yeah, it'll, be, that's it'll taste like it came out of a bowl yeah. from the store. Yeah, uh, trust me, don't do it. Whatever, whatever you want. But Just okay, don't. all right. So I guess I won't. I won't be dining with uh, the great Adam Teicher uh, in Vegas next week. So see if you can get a, a buck out of Eric Eager's wallet because I haven't. Uh, that's for sure. So we'll find out. But uh, listen, I, I do think I understand. And it, Dexter Jackson is the last one to win it on the defensive side. The Bucks win over the Raiders is how far back you got to go. But doesn't this feel like it? You know, if the if the Chiefs, uh, well, you're looking at me. You think I'm wrong? I'm almost certain a defensive guy got it when the uh, Seahawks just took a dump on the Broncos. Oh yeah, the, line, the linebacker who got had to pick six. Did he really? Mm, oh. Malcolm Smith. And who was laughing that day? Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the guy. Yes. And what are the odds that paid? So well, no, Seren would have bet on it, but betting wasn't legal in Kansas <laughs> that's right. at that time. That's, I'd have been all over him. I was laughing because I said that Seahawks defense was going to shut him down. Who do you think the longest odds are for a uh, MVP? There are. I'm going to give you a list of. See if you can name one of at. at oh my God, the phone books here. I was going to say that there's a whole bunch of guys at uh, 750 to one. Name. <laughs> see if you can name. There's two, four, six, eight, ten. Darius Tony. 12, 14, there's like, yeah. 
There's so many guys. Like they literally have everybody up here. I didn't realize that they'd put everybody up here. Uh, you know, Trent Williams, seven fifty to one. If you want the left, Isaiah Oliver, Creed Humphrey, seven fifty to one. Joe Tooney's on the board. Why don't you get you a piece of Joe Tooney action as he's not practicing? That would be a good one, right? What about Nick Bolton? Where's he? Because he scored that touchdown last year, and Dad, remember oh, he had the second right. one called back. He had the second one called back. Six hundred to one. That's not bad odds, right? Okay, let's go. I'm down with that. Let's get some money. Put me I'm, down for Nick Bolton. I might, I might throw some money on Trent McDuffie as well. Mm-hmm. I might take some Isn't Trent. That McDuffie. He's at sixty to one as well. So I like Trent McDuffie at sixty to one more than I like Clyde edwards helaire at fifty at, or at six hundred to one more than I like Clyde edwards helaire at five hundred to one. Yeah, I'm with you. Karloftis, 500 to 1. I might take a little piece of that. Throw a buck on each one of these. You, bl- you, you, you throw 10 bucks out there with a shot at winning, you know, anywhere from, you know, 17 bucks if you just put a buck on Kelsey. I think I'm going to put more than a buck on Kelsey. But on all these long shots, you put 10 bucks out there with a shot to win anywhere from 350 to 700 bucks. That's called money management, Adam. You've made enough money to buy yourself some barbecue out in Vegas. Oh, God. It won't happen. You're not going to see that for sure. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, What do you think the big storylines are going to be next week that we hear nationally? Um, Taylor Swift. (laughs) And whether, you know... Hey, I, you know, I think Travis Kelsey... I, I, I understand how people who aren't in Kansas City or don't pay that close uh, attention to the Chiefs can think that maybe he, she's been a distraction for him, but I think he's kind of a misunderstood guy, and I, I do think that he's able to, when he puts his mind to it, he can concentrate on football and, and block all that other stuff out, so uh, um, I, I, I just don't, I, I'm sure that's going to be a, a thing, and how, you know, how much of a distraction she's been or hasn't been or whatever, but I, I just think that's kind of a, a non-story, but it doesn't mean uh, it won't be a, a topic that uh, at the Super Bowl, no doubt. Uh, is it true that the Chiefs are giving her a podium at the media session on Monday night? I would, I would, if if that's the case, I'd pass on Kadarius Tony to go talk to her. Really? Okay. I would. I would. There's a guy who's just dedicated to football, is what he mm-hmm. is. Football's very important, Adam Teicher. Is that yeah. is that Taylor Swift? Uh, yeah, I don't think you'd be the only one getting over there. Um, yeah. All right, when are you getting in, Adam? I'm getting in Sunday morning. Sunday morning, okay. Yep. Uh, and then what, you'll be drunk by noon? Uh, well, I was thinking more like 11 o'clock, but, uh, yeah, you, you, <laughs> I, I, I think there's an hour there. We, it could be. Yeah, it could be. Are you going to play some dice? Are you going to play some blackjack? Will you be gambling? Uh, no, not my not my thing, but um, um, I, I you can't wait to see Vegas in all its glory with a Super Bowl there. That's going to be fun to see. We'll see once we get a couple of Coronas, uh, Coronas in here, you uh, what, you're, what you're willing to do. Adam, you're Thank the man. You. We look forward to the conversation with you in Vegas next week. All right, good stuff, sir. I'll talk to you then. All right, there he is, Adam Teicher from ESPN. We'll take a break. Uh, we still got Kevin Harlan to come. Need to know, what did I say Sunday on pregame? We're going to get to the bottom of it finally. I know what you said. Who was the only Kansas native to start at quarterback in a Super Bowl? Brought to you by Good Sense. 